Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals. Brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, Houston Business Journal Managing Editor Jonathan Adams welcomes Dr. Baruch Williams, one of our 2021 Women Who Mean Business honorees. Williams is the owner, CEO, and a pediatric neuropsychologist at Neuropsychological Assessment Center of Houston. The organization's mission is to empower families to help their children reach their fullest potential. Tell me a little bit about the Neuropsychological Assessment Center of Houston, Inc. So the Neuropsychological Assessment Center of Houston Incorporated, also known as Match Inc., is a center that is focused on the neuropsychological assessment of pediatrics, so children, adolescents, and young adults. We primarily focus on assessing neurodevelopmental disorders, but are well-trained in assessing for the cognitive effects of medical disorders as well. So what I mean by that is that many neurodevelopmental disorders include attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, learning disabilities, autism spectrum disorder. And then when I talk about, oh, we assess for the cognitive impacts of medical disorders, there are many medical disorders that have a neurological basis, such as epilepsy or various genetic syndromes. And so we assess, you know, what are the cognitive effects of this particular disorder or what is happening in the brain that results in this medical disorder and then also results in cognitive dysfunction or behavioral dysfunction. And that's what we do right now. We are primarily pediatric focused and hopefully one day we'll be adult focused as well. So what inspired you to open it? Well, during my training, I really felt that there, what was missing in our services was follow-up. You know, we often did these beautiful, lengthy reports that explained in such detail what was happening from a brain basis and how that was impacting the child. But then we really didn't know, you know, we had these beautiful recommendations for individuals to do at home and at school, but then we really didn't know were these families able to execute this? Was the school able to execute this? We didn't know until about three years later when we would see the child. So my idea for Natch Inc. was that we become very involved in the process even after we do the report, really letting parents know that we are here to participate in school meetings. We are here to answer your emails or to really help with any barriers that stand in the way of executing the recommendations that have been provided. So that was really my vision for Natch. And a greater vision is for it to be a multidisciplinary center where we are not only offering neuropsychological services, but other services that children benefit from, whether it's speech therapy or occupational therapy or just psychological services such as psychotherapeutic services as well. So why did you think it was important to open this? Well, I thought it was important to open this center because there needs to be more services like this. Oftentimes, schools or parents just aren't quite sure, number one, what's going on with their child. 
and how to help. Specifically, when it comes to learning, it is a very, very complex and challenging thing when you think about children that have certain disabilities. And that's why it was so important to open the center so that people have more access to this type of service. The center opened in September 2020, the height of the pandemic. (laughs) What was that like? How did you prepare for that? Yes, um, that was definitely challenging. It really made it difficult to network as many people, you know, would, you know, with a new business, you go out and you meet people and you kind of go door to door and say, hi, these are my services and what services do you provide? Can we collaborate and work together? Well, yes, all of that was not an option. (laughs) So it definitely, I definitely had to become creative and reaching out to people via email and being able to connect, obviously, you know, via things like Zoom and really being able to communicate that it's a good idea that we talk to one another, you know, (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. and follow up via video, but being able to communicate that through email. And it was like, I prepared slowly for the opening and gathering my materials over time. But the truth is that like, this is something that I had to prepare for many years. I mean, before this actually happened, it just so happened that the timing happened in the middle of a pandemic. But, you know, there are many things that kind of go into being ready to start a new business. And it's not something that's done overnight. It's something that, you know, you want to talk to mentors about and establish things over, you know, a specific period of time. With that being said, it was pretty low at the beginning. (laughs) And um, I thought children would have returned to school and everyone would kind of be back to a little bit of normality at that time. That's kind of not what happened. And so it was slow. But over time, things really have adjusted and picked up. So that's great. What were some of the lessons you learned in like opening your business in the middle of the pandemic? Yeah, to really be encouraged and know that there's like, even if there were not you know, patients or in some people's cases, customers, there are plenty things to do to work on establishing your business. For me, it was just, you know, organizing my space. It was writing those emails. Oh, I I had plenty to like keep me busy during the time where, you know, it was slow, kind of ramping up patients. The other thing is to, like, it's a perfect opportunity to get involved in the community. And many events were limited. You know, we were slowly starting to see some events come back. I got very involved in the chamber in the area of Houston where I work. And I'm still involved in the chamber, like, just wanting to learn more about community events and what way I can contribute my services to those community events. And through that, you meet people who then, even though it may not be intentional networking, but you meet people, you know, you talk and they're like, oh, what do you do? And oh, this is my business. And then they say, well, I know someone who knows this person. I think that you should, you know, talk to them. And before you know it, you've made a connection, even though you're really just out kind of being in the community and working to, you know, give back to the community. Tell me a little bit about your background. How did that lend itself to starting the center? Well, I went to the high school for performing and visual arts, which is 
here in Houston, obviously. And I was a theater major for three of my years there. That's where it really all started. And I was just became very interested. We go really in depth in the characters at that school and learning about their behaviors and thoughts and interactions with, with others. And that's where it all started. And I was like, you know, I think I want to explore like the kind of the psychology of individuals, not characters, but, you know, real life individuals. And that's where it started. And from there, I knew I always wanted to work with children. It's, they, I've always found ways to, um, to work with children, whether it's in church or some other type of environment. And so I said, well, that's, I want to go into child psychology. And from there, I majored in psychology at University of North Texas. I eventually moved to New York where I did research in various aspects of development and psychology and eventually came back home to Houston where I went to the University of Houston and received my PhD in clinical neuropsychology. There, you know, eventually I went on to do my internship at Texas Children's Hospital and um, finally completed a two-year postdoctoral fellowship at John Hopkins and Kennedy Krieger Institute. And, and I will say that, you know, all of those things like obviously helped build a foundation in my understanding of neuropsychology, like the how to do an assessment, how to interpret reports and I mean, how to interpret the data and what recommendations to give based on the child's performance. Yes, all of that helped with that. But none of that necessarily taught me about the business aspect. <laughs> the business aspect, yeah, during you know all of my training, you don't get a class on like how to run a private practice or how to start a private practice. That really had to come through mentorship. That had to come through talking to individuals who have had successful practices and just saying, just asking questions. How do you do this? How much do you recommend I save? What are the next steps for this? How do I reach out to people? And that's really what helped me with the business aspect of starting Natch. I also have and continue to contract at another practice. And so just getting into the private practice and working with in a group setting also just helped me learn the ins and outs of it in order to help me be successful in starting my own practice. What made you want to start your own practice in the first place? It's, you know, that's always been a vision of mine. Like I said, I, I like the idea of having a multidisciplinary practice. And although Natch Inc. is not there at the moment, that's the goal. And that's what I see moving forward. And so, yes, that's what I, you know, push for. That's what I envision. That's what I look to see happen in the future. How come you wanted to open your practice in the Woodlands? Well, the Woodlands is one area that was really untapped for a pediatric neuropsychologist. So most pediatric neuropsychologists are find themselves like in a academic medical setting, like the hospital, like Texas Children's Hospital and Memorial Hermann. Some even, you know, find themselves in academia, so working as a professor, maybe at University of Houston. And there are a few of us who actually have a private practice. 
And so there are some locations, um, some areas where it's kind of already spoken for, so to speak. Sugarland, there's a pediatric neuropsychology clinic there where I also contract. There's a pediatric neuropsychology clinic in Katy. And so in thinking about the areas, the Woodlands was one area where I said, you know, I don't, there's not a standalone neuropsychology clinic out there. In fact, I get so many phone calls from adults, individuals who are adults who are seeking services as well. That's needed out there. And yeah, hopefully we, I, you know, will naturally eventually expand to include those adult services, but there's definitely a need in that area. Dr. Baruch Williams joining us. In our next segment, Dr. Williams shares the challenges she faced starting her practice. When Texas Business Minds continues. This summer, Texas Mutual Insurance Company sent $330 million in dividends to policyholders across the state. It's our way of rewarding resilient businesses who never wavered in their commitment to working safe. More at TexasMutual.com. Continuing our conversation on Texas Business Minds as Houston Business Journal Managing Editor Jonathan Adams profiles Dr. Baruch Williams. What were some of the biggest challenges you faced in starting your practice? I'm going to admit that I was prepared (laughs) and I was prepared in the sense financially. So in talking to a mentor over, I mean, you know, at least three years, he was very clear about, you know, how much I needed to save so that this was a, I didn't have to take out a loan. This was really me having the cash on hand to do what I needed to do. That was so incredibly helpful. That was a stressor that I just did did not have to deal with, you know, at all. That was the beautiful part. (laughs) The main thing that was the struggle was really being able to connect with individuals in the community. But I will say I cannot do this interview without saying that the connections that I made in the Chamber of Commerce, which is the Woodlands Chamber of Commerce, were amazing. And individuals... I mean, one connection led to another connection, which led to another connection. And it was just simply powerful to see that happen. And, but that was a stressor. It was, how do I get people to know that my services are here? And the other way I will say I prepared is, you know, I had to do my own research before I actually joined the chamber. I was probably, you know, in the Woodlands for like a month or so. During that time that things were really slow, I did my own research. I looked up individuals in the area that I thought it would be great to connect with, whether it was a therapist, whether it was a school, whether it was a psychiatrist. I looked at their profiles on their websites to see, is this a place where I would want to refer my patient? If so, let me reach out to them and establish a connection. That was really fun. (laughs) It was fun doing that, but also a stressor just because you wonder, like, when is the phone going to start ringing? So yeah, I would say that was the most difficult part. What other marketing strategies do you use to kind of like showcase the center? 
Well, other things that I use are digital platforms. I'm going to be very honest. That is more of a struggle for me. Maybe that's a stressor that I you know, actually haven't realized. I don't know if I would call it a stressor, but um, kind of a area that's not a strength for me. <laughs> I'm not like typically huge on social media. I mean, I do have a TikTok, but I, I don't necessarily know how to use it. But I have, you know, Snapchat and Facebook and all of these Instagram, but I'm not a, like a, I don't like post, you know, a lot. And so I really needed to have some help with that. And that's another thing that I've learned too in business is like you really have to outsource some things. If you know it's not your area, then you need to outsource. For example, for a while I was doing my own taxes. Oh yeah, these are things. Thank you for these questions because it's bringing up memories of how it was at the beginning. <laughs> doing my own taxes at the beginning, trying to do my own bookkeeping. Okay, yes, that's not my thing. <laughs> and it's okay to, you know, explore digital services that will automatically kind of do that for you or outsource that to someone who's like, this is their field. This is their area of expertise. And I had to learn that over time when it came to financial matters and also when it came to the digital aspect. So I, you know, I hired someone to run my social media and they do all different things with that, with like boosting posts and they just have more of a algorithm for which they understand the algorithm for social media which is not my area, but <laughs> but um, that's another way that I advertise my services as well. You've definitely made some strides as a woman of color in psychology. What message do you hope that conveys to others? Well, you know, I definitely hope that it conveys that number one, you can do it if that's something, you know, if that's something that you want to do, you just have to find the right mentors that will lead you in the right direction. And honestly, in my experience, there are very few African-American neuropsychologists and when you think about women, you know, African-American women, neuropsychologists, definitely very few. Number one, actually, I would say is acknowledging that and because that's what happened to me in grad school. I had a professor. She's a white, older female, but she just acknowledged it. There are not a lot of you. <laughs> I can count the number of you on my hand. And she was like, what can we do? You know, let's think about what we can do to support you. And I needed that kind of mentorship. And I appreciated that. I don't care what the skin color was. I appreciated that there was someone there who recognized that there was a need, an area of need, and that they wanted to work to support me in whatever way they could so that I could be successful in the field. And that's, you know, that's what I would encourage, like, no matter what, who the color is, like working with someone who recognized the importance of having you in that field, because there's such a limited number of us. And it does bring a different perspective to fields and different ability to even communicate and touch on things with African-American patients. And yeah, I think that that mentorship piece was, was really important. The COVID pandemic has certainly had an impact on everything from business to education. What would you say is the center's role in the community with that in mind? That's a really great question because interpreting the data from, you know, the cognitive data from my patients, I always 
have to take into consideration what children have been through in the past two years, how that's impacted their education, how they may have not had access to traditional instruction, and how that subsequently may, you know, result in them being lower, you know, in some aspects of their academic performance. So I always have to incorporate that into my findings, which is something very new. <laughs> we, you know, that's very different. Our um, normative data or how we determine if something is like a disability or an area of weakness is not based on children not having traditional instruction for a year and a half. It's something that I have to often incorporate into my findings and explain to parents and help them to understand the impact of the pandemic on the type of educational instruction and then how that might impact the children's scores and performance on these academic measures that I often administer. Is there like kind of a trend that you're seeing in terms of like how students are learning now compared to maybe before? No, I won't say that there's necessarily a trend. It's really hard to say that too, because so many children have had different experiences. Some children have pretty much been in person for most of the time, or maybe they missed that, you know, one semester from that spring break, I think was mostly when many children didn't go back, but then after that, they were in person. So it's really hard to say that there's a trend, but because I see so Oh, so many different combination of things that, <laughs> of ways that parents have approached the education. But I definitely have seen circumstances where there are weaknesses. It's like, well, this is mild. So it could be due to the fact that this child has not been in in-person instruction for some time. What's next for Nash? What is next for us? Well, you know, we want to continue to to grow and let the community know about the services that are there. We continue to be very engaged in the community and taking leadership roles within the community. I have served, uh, I continue to serve on the Dean's Advisory Board at University of Houston for the College of Liberal Arts and Social Sciences, and I've taken on the co-director chair for that. We have also taken on a leadership role at the chamber with our health and wellness and fitness expo that will come up in April. It's just really, you know, getting more involved in the community. And by way of doing that, by way of, you know, talking to individuals, um, continuing to mentor the many students that call the office and just want to talk about neuropsychology. That's the way that we increase our exposure in the community as well. And then, you know, I, hopefully maybe a second location um, opening up in the near future. That's, you know, something that I would like to see happen. What advice do you have for aspiring women entrepreneurs? My biggest advice is to ask questions. I think it's so important and can be such a downfall that sometimes we don't want to, you know, appear like we don't know something or that we just lack knowledge in this area. And it's like, it's okay to ask questions. I think that one of my mentors was 
impressed that I would ask certain questions. And he would, you know, oftentimes like reinforce that by saying you're asking the right questions. And that's the only way we're going to learn, right? Is to actually get in there and and acknowledge that this is an area that I'm not familiar with. That's okay. There's someone else who is more familiar. Let me reach out to them. And most of the time, I have a positive response. You know, people are willing to talk to you, especially if they're your mentor. You know, and if they're not, that's okay too. Like people have different responsibilities and may not be able to be in the position where they can, you know, set aside time to kind of talk about how they approach things. But there is someone who will. So if if it doesn't work with one individual with asking those questions, then, then reach out to someone else. Thanks to Dr. Baruch Williams for joining us. And thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. Texas.